One Week Season. gentlemen boys and girls and children of all ages to week 11's breakdown of five different games with myself and mike johnson over here at one week season if you're listening to us on podcast because you love that one and a half speed uh feel free to always listen to it at that because that's what i do with all my podcasts however we're also streaming this on youtube and feel free to go ahead and check us out there and we have a live stream going on with that as well. Um, with that being said, we're going to jump into five different games here this week with Mike. We have the Eagles versus the Colts, the Rams versus the Saints, the Raiders versus the Broncos, Cowboys versus Vikings, and the Bengals at the Steelers to end with a big uh, division rivalry. We're going to launch with the Eagles and Colts, and I'm going to let Mike jump right into it here. And let us talk about a game that projects at 45 and a half on the over under to start. Yeah. Uh, interesting game here. The Eagles are a team that had all the public sentiment to start the year and they jumped out to such a great start, uh, had a, a pretty poor showing on Monday night football against the commanders this last week. And, uh, you know, we've seen historically second divisional matchups, lower scoring second divisional matchups, Oftentimes, uh, teams that uh, dominate one game, uh, there will be adjustments made in the second time around. Uh, the team that lost will uh, have a much better performance. That's exactly what we saw with the commanders uh, pulling out a win there. Um, so it's an interesting spot from that standpoint because the Eagles uh, don't really have a lot of positive vibes in the community right now. Um, now they're playing on the road against the Colts, who uh, they you know, had the, the big hiring of Jeff Saturday, which was all in the news and very controversial. And then they went on the road and they beat the Raiders. Um, and so a lot of a lot of positive, good mojo going on around uh, that situation. But again, this is where uh, sometimes zooming out and looking at the macro situation is really important because uh, the reality is. A week ago, you know, if it was last Saturday, we were talking, looking ahead about this Eagles-Colts matchup. Uh, it would have very different sentiment uh, that people would have towards it just because um, before that Monday night game, people were way higher on the Eagles. Before that uh, victory over the Raiders, people were way uh, lower on the Colts when in reality, beating the Raiders isn't that big a deal. And the commanders are a pretty good team in a second divisional matchup. So um, I think it's an interesting spot uh, to kind of build uh, some, some lineups around or to, to find some pieces from um, and just kind of take advantage of that public sentiment um, being so reactionary and recency biased. So that being said, right. If you, if the Eagles don't go where they are last week, Right. We have uh, Hertz is 8,200. I think he's closer to that 8,500 with at that Josh Allen price. If he doesn't go there, I think AJ is right around 8,000 on DK this week. Um, do you, how do you see trying to stack this game, especially with 
the bring back side of the running game of the Colts. We know that that's the weakness of the Eagles D and the thing while the Colts run on paper, hasn't, hasn't shown well this year. They haven't had Taylor for most of the year. We obviously know that makes a big difference, but it's also a lot of salary. How do you see yourself managing that side of it? Yeah. So, well, the Eagles prices, they played on Monday night. So the, their prices were set um, before that game, but um, in, in any regard, you know, I think I think Hertz is a guy who we haven't seen the ceiling for a while. Sometimes it was because it wasn't needed. Sometimes it was uh, because they just he had some games where he wasn't great. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. The Colts have a very very good run defense, um, but you know most run defense metrics are specifically to running backs. Running quarterbacks kind of are their own category. So uh, the way I look at this is the Eagles' offense depends a lot on their running game. They're built around that to a large extent. And I think they're going to struggle to, to have their running backs create many yards. Um, so what that's going to do is put a lot on Hertz to with his legs. Uh, he averaged something like, I think it was like 14 before their bye. he was averaging like 13 or 14 carries a game. Maybe it was 12. It was somewhere in that 12 to 14 range. And since they're by, since week, uh, after week seven, he's only averaging like six, six or seven carries. So, um, I think we could see him have that big rushing workload, um, partially out of by design and partially just out of necessity, uh, to move the ball. Um, and then in the passing game, losing Dallas Goddard is a much bigger deal than most people are going to realize. I think that the, um, the Eagles, their backup tight ends aren't just going to come in and replace Goddard. So I think that's going to force um, more targets to the receivers. And specifically, I'm pretty high on Devontae Smith this week. Uh, Let's go. I think uh, Stefan Gilmore has been really good this this year. He's a big physical uh, defensive back and kind of the only guy that can really match up physically with A.J. Brown. Um, I don't think A.J. Brown's going to be like shut out like he was on Monday night. I think he'll have a solid game. Um, but just you lose Goddard, you have a tough matchup for Brown where he's not going to be able to, you know, take this huge chunk of the target share. And what does that leave you with? I mean, I don't think these guys who, you know, stole and Jackson are basically third or fourth string tight ends on most teams. Um, and then, you know, Watkins and Pascal aren't like big target earners. So I think, uh, Devonte Smith is is set up for a really good spot, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get like nine to twelve targets this game. Um, then looking at the Colts side, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Jeff Saturday, their new coach. Um, clearly, he gave Jonathan Taylor the ball on almost fifty percent of their plays last week. Taylor looked very healthy, busted that long run. So uh, this is a guy who's you know, at like a 25% discount from where he was uh, priced in like weeks two and three. Um, And he's got a good matchup. They're going to lean heavily on the run. Uh, The Eagles run defense has struggled. I know they signed a couple veteran big name type defensive tackles, but those guys, I don't think are going to make a huge difference um, in four days. So uh, I think Taylor's a a great option. And then um, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell um, are going to be, you know, they're going to each see a decent amount of targets for their salary as well. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, three different Colts bring back options um, and different ways you can get creative with it. 
So one of the things we have for our prop side at one week season this week is we have some props on this game. And I want to talk about one of the unique ways to stack this game in an underdog player, you know, prize picks type of situation. So this is one is you want to be able to take that DFS theory and correlate it. So if we're betting on Taylor beating his rushing prop, we're saying, Hey, Taylor's going to have a good day. We're saying Ryan against the Eagles stout pass defense is probably not going to hit his prop. So then how do you correlate that coming back? You can turn around and try to find is Devontae Smith's yardage better? Is his targets better? Is his, you know, which is better for him receptions and take advantage. And that's one way off of this game to create a three-way prop and work that into those sites and give you a base to start with. I think I've seen a lot of people going in and they just pick like, okay, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy. And I think the advantage I personally have had this year, uh, I was just talking with someone earlier and I shared him some screenshots of like how I've actually done. And just to say, hey, like I'm I'm not making this up. Like this is really what I'm doing uh, and showing them real tickets. Uh, and no. I think there's a big edge against those sites right now uh, because not a lot of people are doing that yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's, you know, and it's, it's very similar to DFS with the correlation, like game stack sort of thing. Uh, the difference is it could be a chalky thing. There could be a bunch of people that play it and it doesn't like, if it hits, it hits, you get paid out. It's not like DFS where like you could hit the right game stack. And um, if you don't have the right other pieces around it, like maybe you just min cash or, or don't do, you know, don't have a big, yeah. big hit, but uh that's the kind of neat thing about the props and the underdog prize pick stuff. Yeah. yeah you have the nuts besides mixing a couple weeks ago, like I had. So, yeah, right. I did. I had it. I I had the team. We were all over it. And I just, I, I hadn't played mixing and you weren't with it if you didn't have mixing. So yeah. um, going to move on to an interesting game next that with all the injuries and everything going on is just, one I I'm going to be interested to hear your thoughts on at the beginning of the season. No one would have thought in week 11 that the Rams, the Rams and saints would be an over under at 39. No one expected that. Um, it's been a unique match. I also think it gives us some leverage points in the small range of outcomes. If it goes the other way, how are you feeling about this game and uh, where do you see yourself taking any stances here? I uh, don't feel great about it. <laughs> um, you know, I think it, yeah, I mean, on name value, it doesn't look right, but based on what we've seen on the field, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, sure the does. Rams offense, they can't run the ball uh, and they aren't real good at pass protection. Uh, Saints D is a little bit beat up right now, but um, you know, they've been very good in spots. I look at that, you know, there's two games that, this sort of setup kind of reminds me of one is when the saints played the Raiders at home a few weeks ago and the Raiders just their offense just couldn't do anything. Um, Adams Devonte Adams was sick that game and they couldn't get the running game going and Waller was out on um, the Raiders. Just the saints defense didn't do anything special. The Raiders were just awful. Um, you know, and uh, on the flip side of that uh, it reminds me of, uh, when the Rams played the Bucks a few weeks ago, and we kind of said the same thing about like how crazy it was that it was like a 42 point over under for that game. Um, but same sort of thing, you know, the saints, uh, the Rams run defense is very good. Uh, it's going to make it very difficult for the saints 
uh, rushing offense to get going. Um, and so that's going to force them to throw the ball a little bit more. And, you know, I don't, the saints aren't a super efficient passing offense either. So it just seems like on both sides of the ball, um, it's going to be a struggle to sustain drives. So, you know, something like that Rams bucks game, which I think ended up like 17, 16 or something like that wouldn't be shocking at all. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if it's right. 17, 10, 14, 10, you know, I, I, I don't see, I can't see a path where this gets to 38, 31. Yeah. I just don't see how with these anemic offenses, it gets there. And I think there's, guys struggling right now because now it's hey cups down do i play robinson somebody's got to catch the ball you know higby is there you know they got kyrene who the rams keep saying hey we like to the point they were just willing to let cam go you know it's uh it's just not something for dfs this week which i enjoy over season long i have way more season long decisions in mm-hmm. this game that i'd like to make um on how and who I'm going to start where, and, you know, we're getting into the nitty gritty here and in season long on, you know, are you going to win your league? You're going to make playoffs, you know, all those things that are important to us. And it's uh, I'm glad in DFS this week, I could just take this game, pick it up, put it in a box and say, Hey, I'm safe. I don't have to touch you this week. Yeah. There's, there's two small angles that I kind of like in this one. Um, one is uh, cause I'm really high on, uh, some of the more expensive running backs I'm pretty high on specifically like Dalvin and, and Saquon. Um, and then obviously there's some premium quarterbacks with like, you know, game stacks around them. Yep. So it's like, where am I going to find salary? Uh, so one thing I've been looking at is using uh, Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek together in the same lineup, uh, which may seem kind of weird considering I just said, I think they're going to struggle to score 20 points. Um, but if you look at it from a salary perspective, so when with Cooper Cup out, both of these guys are going to play like 80, 90 percent of the snaps um, and their combined salary is, I believe, eighty four hundred dollars. And, you know, I just talked about it. The Rams really can't run the ball and their offensive line isn't great. So they're probably going to throw the ball 40 times with Stafford. And that's going to leave, you know, those two guys somewhere in the 14 to 18 target range, I would say. Um, just because they're both guys who, uh, maybe get the ball out a little bit quicker, uh, Allen Robinson down the field, that's going to be tough. Um, so yeah, it's just an interesting way to save salary and it just, you know, you don't need that to be what carries you, but if those two combine for, let's say they get 16 targets and they have, you know, 11 or 12 catches for even like a hundred yards, 120 yards, um, you know, that's 25 points and this, what that opens you up to, especially in like some smaller size stuff, um, is you could have like a, a bills, like a Josh Allen stack, uh, with Saquon and Dalvin where you've got some floor and ceiling, uh, to really, you know, you could stack together a bunch of 30 point scores. So, um, just an interesting way I'm looking at it. Uh, the only other piece really would be Jawan Johnson who, um, has looked good. He plays, he's like the tight end one and he's only $3,100. So um, he's not like a priority piece, but if there's a lineup I really like and he can be that last piece, you know, I'll consider it. Yeah. Especially in tight end Armageddon again this week, right? We got Casey, no Kelsey. We have no Kittle right now. We lose Goddard. Who's been great for Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. 
Andrews and, is beat up. And Andrews is walking wounded, you know. So there's, you know, uh, I think tight end again is going to be, hey, who do you have, you know, the guts to play as we saw Thursday night, which uh, Mr. Hilo was giving me crap when I posted. I don't know if you saw, I, I bet the Titans money line. I really liked oh, okay. the Titans in that spot. And he, it was like, I posted right before the game, but he was like, cash out cash out now and i'm like i think green bay is a little overrated right now and, and yes. where they're coming and where they're going to land against this particular matchup and i'm uh, glad i held on to that and now i get to give mark a hard time about it that was the right move <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i would have told you that before <laughs> yeah that was I, I was on it uh i'd been really hawking that game and um i actually had to make some leagues where i, I because of all my injuries and situations and you know some of the high stakes <laughs> leagues uh, Hooper and Hilliard, like I had to start in a couple spots and and that Hilliard touchdown really going to, I think, save my bacon here. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping that it does. Um, well, let's move on to a division rivalry here that some would, again, think at the beginning of the season, hey, this this could turn into a really fun game this time of year. You know, let's see what their offenses could do with the two new coaches. Meanwhile, you know, we have all the reports that Russ is calling out Seattle audibles and no one knows what he's talking about. And, you know, this Raider at Broncos games only 41. I want to start off on the Raider side and see what your thoughts are, because I, I have some thoughts here. First, let's start with Devontae. And how do you think he's going to match up with the Broncos have shown they're willing to put certain on? He's going to shadow you and you got to beat us with someone else, especially with everybody else out for the Raiders. Yeah. So, and Sertan, he did follow Adams a decent amount last, uh, last time. He doesn't really go in the slot though. And with uh, Waller and Renfro out, Adams uh, should have a higher slot rate. Uh, Like he did last week. He was, he was moving around the field a lot for the uh, Colts game as well. Um, I am, I am worried about Adams uh, being on the injury report all week with a uh, an abdomen, a core muscle injury. Um, we saw that that Saints game a few weeks ago when Adams was sick, when he wasn't himself, um, and how it just like imploded the entire offense. Uh, so that's got me a little bit worried. Um, but you know, he's prior to that, I was very high on him just because him and him and Jacobs have combined for like close to 70% of the Raiders touches each of the last two weeks. So those two guys are such an integral part of the offense that, um, you know, they're not gonna, like, they're not gonna not throw to Devonte Adams, especially when, you know, they're missing a bunch of other uh, key pieces. They're not going to just like not throw the ball to their best player. Um, just because they're scared of Patrick Sertan, like Devonte Adams, is still Devonte Adams. Um, and he's still going to run 30 to 40% of his routes away from Sertan anyways. So um, that wouldn't be my reason to go away from it, but um, I will be watching closely if there's any Shefty bombs or anything like that about Adams true health status later today. Cause um, you know, if, if he's, if he's fully healthy, he's a guy I'm definitely interested in. Well, the Raiders have been very susceptible to quarterback fantasy points, right? They, if you look at their matrix, they're giving up a ton of points to fantasy quarterbacks. Do you see yourself with any, any chance you're going to have any Russ in any of your lineups against that team this week? 
Yeah, I'm a glutton, so I probably will. <laughs> um, it just, it, it's a spot where, yeah, I mean, Russ had his best game of the year, 27 DraftKings points the first time these teams matched up. Uh, the Raiders' defense has just gotten worse since then. Um, you talked about Russ with the uh, audibles and the Seattle play calls and stuff. And, I mean, it's going to be interesting this week to see who's more confused between Russ and the Raiders' defense. Um, you know, it's going to be like a giant game of Marco Polo out there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one that, and it it becomes so easy to stack him, right? Because, uh, with Judy out, we saw Sutton earlier this year just becomes like a a target hog. Like he locks into him. Uh, Dulcich is playing like almost every snap. He's running routes all over the field. He's getting downfield targets at tight end. Um, you know, and then Kendall Hinton, uh, the slot receiver with Hamler and Judy out, he he played a bunch last week and saw like five or six targets. He's sub 4K. So, yeah, it's it's hard not to, uh, you know, take a look at that, you know, look at all those things and see what with those combined price tags of like, you know, 15 to 16K uh, for a Russ plus Sutton plus one of those other two guys, um, you know, 60 points is is very doable there. Um, and what it opens you up to with the rest of your rosters is particularly interesting. What about a Jacobs bring back? Yeah. I mean, Jacobs is in a good spot for sure. Uh, you know, the Broncos. So the Broncos defense is, is very good against the pass. They've struggled a bit against the run, but at the same time, um, you know, they're not, they're a, Good overall defense. I think sometimes we get too caught up in this like, oh, this team has this run DVOA and this pass DVOA and whatever, and we'll like overreact to those things. Um, When in reality, to me, it's just the like the very top and very bottom teams where it's like super predictive. I think back to that mixing game and all sorts of people were saying like, oh, like he wasn't a good play because the Panthers have the eighth best run DVOA and the 25th pass DVOA. Well, like two weeks later, the Panthers have the 22nd run DVOA. So like, <laughs> you know, seventh wasn't those teams in the middle are all very close. Um, so I guess wh- where I'm going with this is the Broncos are a very good defense on the whole and they're playing at home and the Raiders offense has, um, you know, it's shown the ability to completely fail at different points. So, you know, with all those things in mind, I think there's um, I have a lot more concern for Jacobs in this matchup than I think a lot of people uh, that I've heard talking about um, him this week. So one of the things, too, that people haven't looked at, like you so you talk about that versus just DVOA. Well, let's let's break it down. Right. Denver and pass past yards allowed is one of the best defenses, if not, I think they're number one in the league. Now they were like 174 mm-hmm. going into this, right? Versus Las Vegas, who's 250. So I can definitely see, you know, loving that upside of, hey, maybe Denver opens it up. Maybe they try to figure some stuff out and maybe we could get some score into this game. But on the other end, um, you know, they talk about, you know, Denver's run D is 20th DVOA they're only giving up 116 yards a game. It's not like they're Houston, right? (laughs) Where you just like expect a smash spot. So uh, if ownership gets low enough, I can definitely uh, 
uh, see myself maybe willing to take a stab at this game environment on my three max and, you know, versus just a GPP. Cause that's, that's really where the big decisions are going to come down for me is, you know, my three max this week and who I want to run or, you know, where we see ownership land. Cause we're going to talk about two other games here that I think we're going to see a, a lot of ownership in. Yeah. So with that being said, we're going to move on to what many are considering one of the games of the week. We have the Cowboys at the Vikings, um, 48 and a half total. This is just a really unique matchup for me with so many options. Uh, hopefully you played Mr. Jefferson last week. Uh, I went, uh, Devante had a good week, just like me and DFS had a good week. If I would have switched over to Jefferson, I would have had a great week, just like Jefferson had. So let's start off with where everybody I feel like is, you know, going in this game, right? Is that they want to use cook to attack this Cowboys run D how are you feeling about that? And and you mentioned him earlier already. Uh, talk me into starting Dalvin this week and saving salary somewhere else. Well, the that's the interesting thing actually is that like Dalvin isn't projecting to be highly owned at all. Um, he's projecting like mid like mid single digits for ownership on DraftKings and like ten or eleven percent on FanDuel. So like he's not projecting to be popular, um, which uh, was. Kind of surprising for you. Yeah. What's that? Too. That's super surprising because of the Twitter talk. I've seen him talked about a lot on Twitter. So I assumed his ownership was going to be a little higher starting off. Yeah. No, he's, he's projecting pretty low. And, you know, some other guys like, you know, that's the thing. um, And I actually just talked about this in my Sunday Crunch article um, that I just turned in is, you know, other guys like Taylor, Mixon, Jacobs, um, in that same price range. they are all, they're all like in projection models looking a little bit better. And so, and they're projecting for way higher ownership. Uh, also Camara, we could talk about in that same price range. Um, Cook is a little more expensive than all of them. Um, but he's in by far the best game environment. He's got the best matchup. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's just a, a spot that I want to be all over. Um, you know, he's a guy, he's had some really good games, but he hasn't had that like ceiling game. So for his 8k price tag, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, like I can get a similar guy and save money and and this and that. But, you know, like we saw with Mixon, just because he hasn't had a 40 point game doesn't mean he can't, um, you know, and we saw Dalvin rip off that 80 yard run last week. And this is a Cowboys run defense that has given up 200 plus yards, uh, in back-to-back games on the ground. Uh, so yeah. And Dalvin is playing 80% plus of the snaps. Um, it's a hard to see him not getting like 20 to 22 carries and, uh, four to seven targets this week, um, in a, in a really fruitful game environment, um, at low ownership. That's, that's kind of the nuts. Yeah. It's a, you know, Dallas is averaging 143 yards given up on defense rushing a week. I mean, that's a spot I want to take advantage of when we know when people are paying up, right? I think we're going to see Saquon get super highly owned. I think we're going to see Brian Robinson at a mid-range price point because it's against Houston this week, uh, start to steam up a bunch. Uh, and there's some other, you know, some other positions there that that'll open up, but I definitely like that side. So let's talk about the, the, Vikings, the Vikings passing attack. How, 
how do you feel about Justin and, and Kirk this week? Yeah. So, you know, again, this is where a lot of times people look at just like certain numbers or rankings and they think pass funnel, run funnel, that sort of thing. But like, to me, I look at this Cowboys defense as a whole as like, they're kind of reeling. Um, they've given up 26 plus points in three of their last four games. Uh, the one game that they did not was against the Lions. That was the game that Amon Ra got the concussion like right away and Swift was out and um, I believe they had just traded Hawkinson. Yeah, um, that was so that. like it was like they have not been performing well and they performed really well early in the year. But a lot of that was opponent driven, uh, you know, who the that run of teams that they played against when Cooper Rush was in was was not a bunch of very good offenses. Um, so, you know, I look at how bad the Packers offense has looked most of this year and then how bad they looked on just Thursday against the Titans and how good the Cowboys off or defense made them look. Um, and I look at this Vikings offense with all these explosive pieces. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason I'm very, very high on this game. I don't think the Vikings defense has been that good really at all, all year. Um, they just kind of find ways to win games and the Cowboys defense looks very, very beatable. So um, when you have explosive offenses and vulnerable defenses, um, that's what I want to, that those are areas I want to target. So yeah, it's going to be hard for me not to have uh, one of Jefferson or cook on almost every lineup. And then, so how do you, how do you bring that back from the other side with Dallas? You know, um, I like lamb's pricing this week. Dallas stepped it up last week and threw the ball a bunch more, right. As they were bringing Dak back in, he, you know, thrown like 27, 29, 25 or something like that. You know, and then I think he threw for 35 or 37 attempts last week. Um, how do you see yourself working that side of the ball in? Uh, and do you see yourself having any exposure to the, Dallas backfield. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very in on Tony Pollard this week. Uh, you know, I'm actually happy that Zeke's going to be active. Um, I was drive down some ownership. Yeah. It's something that I was hoping to take advantage of last week, but then they, the reports came out Saturday and then Zeke ended up inactive. Um, so he Pollard ended up highly owned anyways, but um, you know, the way I see it, like the Cowboys just lost, uh, this is a big game. They play the Giants on Thursday then on Thanksgiving. Um, so there's two things. They've got this. They claim Zeke is so important to them. Well, if he is and he's coming back from this knee injury and he's going to be wearing this big bulky knee brace. So he's not going to be number one. He's not going to be as effective um, as he had been earlier in the year. He's going to struggle somewhat. Um, so in this game that they really need. Uh, that's going to be a difficult matchup and they're going to have to fight for like, they can't afford to like just give him his 15 to 18 carries. He would usually get and live with lackluster efficiency. Um, And then on taking that a step further, they have another game on Thursday. And if they really do think that Zeke is important, he's going to be important for that game too. So like, you're not gonna, you play in four days, they're not going to give him, you know, when he's battling this knee injury, crazy touch, touch load. So, you know, I think Pollard's got a great chance at 18 to 22 touches. Uh, he's in a, a very good matchup again, a great game environment. We, we've seen how explosive he can be, right? He had 35 or 36 DraftKings points on 15 touches against the Bears. So 
Um, yeah, him at like sub five percent ownership and his price tag is still uh, relatively low. Like, yeah, I am all over that. Um, and I think the passing game is interesting too. Uh, we saw Lamb finally have a ceiling game last week, which shows us he can do it. Uh, Schultz is looking healthy and um, looks like the guy who was the tight end three last year with Dak. And then you've got uh, Michael Gallup playing eighty over 80% of the snaps. And all that success from Pollard and Lamb and Schultz, at some point Gallup's going to have a game you know, where he has like 120 yards and two touchdowns because he's just the forgotten guy by the defense. So, um, you know, I kind of went on and on about the Vikings guys and and clearly uh, you can tell I'm pretty excited about the Cowboys guys. So um, I just think this is a game that both teams have to expect that their defense isn't going to hold the other team to like 13, 17 points. So they're going to need points. So they're going to come out fairly aggressive early and one of these teams is probably going to build a lead, get up 14 to three or something. And then it's just, you know, wheels up. Both teams are going to be trading blows. So let's go opposite side. Let's talk about like some unique ways to stack this game from a defensive point of view. So what do we want with defenses, right? We want opportunity. And this game's going to allow for a ton of opportunity. Can you see yourself? you know, to, to give yourself some angles, maybe a Dallas D with a Pollard or a Dallas D with a Schultz uh, or vice versa on the Vikings, you know, the Vikings and cook in a lineup against Dallas to offset that ownership. Uh, Not really. I mean, I think like, you know, I, I don't fault anyone for doing it, um, but it's not, necessarily the spot that I'm looking to go for. I don't really look to correlate running back and defense that much, especially when it's a higher priced uh, running back. Um, just because a lot of times, like if the defense hits a lot of times it's uh, a pick six or like it steals a possession. Um, so, you know, that's not something I'm looking for, but you know, it makes sense in theory for sure. I think on like an afternoon only slate, like if you were just playing the afternoon slate, I think that's super interesting. Uh, to get if you were to stack this game and include one of the defenses um, I think that could be very interesting Uh, Mike giving out little nuggets and uh, one of the things you can get you know over at one week season uh, is we break down Mike delivers a afternoon only article for these games to take advantage of some leverage of the field and if you're not playing that slate you should Uh, I've done really well with it this year and and enjoyed playing that. So now let's let's go to my my ride or die stack of the year so far that so I'm going to keep playing till it uh, till it pays me because it's going to pay me at some point just like Fields paid me and that's the Bengals versus the Steelers. And right, we come into this game divisional rivalry, not a huge over under total, but in a small range of outcomes, can this game get into the fifties? Absolutely. Could this game reach 60? It could. Uh, Is it a huge possibility? Not really, but is the opportunity there for sure? And I'm going to keep stacking Pickett and his boys with Johnson and Pickens, and it's going to pay me one week like uh, Mr. Fields did. So let's start on that side of the ball and tell us how you feel about that uh, Pittsburgh stack. Uh, you know, I'm not super high on it. I just, um, 
Good. More, less ownership. Keep it down. Let's not talk about it. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can see it. I mean, I'll play a couple just because, like you said, I've played in past weeks and stuff. So I'll play, a, you know, I, I play a lot of lineups kind of. So I'll find some ways to to have a, a few lineups um, with with that stack. Uh, just because if I don't, I'll like, I won't, I'll be mad till like Wednesday. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. They've got some explosive players, you know, Pickett has, he's a guy, a quarterback I like, and he showed some really good things in his early starts. The thing that's concerned me is he's like, he's like 37% completion percentage on passes over 10 yards downfield. And he's got no touchdowns on seven interceptions. Uh, they haven't scored a touchdown from outside eight the eight yard line this year, um, and they haven't scored over twenty offensive points in a game. So there's a lot of things like that. But at the same time, like, do I think that they will end the season with those same uh, numbers, not having scored outside the eight and not having over twenty points in a game? No, I don't. Uh, so at some point, that's going to change, um, and it could very well be this week. Uh, the thing. I like about this game. The first time these teams matched up was week one and the Steelers, uh, their pass rush, the best of the Bengals um, and kind of dominated the game sacks. I think like five turnovers and it's, it's an interesting spot because you look at, so two years ago, the Bengals played the Ravens and the Ravens, at the end of the game, it was when Burrow was out, the Ravens were like going for some record or something and they kept starters in. I think it was, they had to get over a hundred rushing yards. They were trying to set the record for like most games or whatever. And so they like had starters in and like purposely were getting this record. Well, so like that like played into last year, both Bengals Ravens games, the Bengals just like kept throwing, kept throwing late in games and were like stomping on them. And it was like a divisional rivalry, like an alpha move. Like I'm going to like show my dominance um, against the Ravens there. And so I look at that week one Bengals Steelers game and how embarrassing really that was for the Bengals. And I think of it from the standpoint of if they get up ahead, if the Steelers offense struggles a little early and they score some points, like I could just see like, Zach Taylor just telling Burrow, like, just let it rip, just go, um, you know, and, and it's a concentrated passing attack. So uh, that's an interesting thing for me. And I think that there's a way that the the picket stack could kind of backdoor into it. You know, if the Bengals do get a lead and then instead of kind of sitting on it, they, they continue to be super aggressive. The Steelers offense could kind of get there in a backdoor way. Um, you know, just cause if they get down 28 to six or something, you know, they're going to, the last two quarters, they're going to throw 40 times. So let's talk about the tight end position in this game. You have Pat on the Steelers side and you have Hurst. Um, I really like Hurst this week in this matchup. Um, I, I like his salary. I like what he saves. I like the doors he opens because you talked about it opens up the door for some stud running backs. If we can get unique with some of these, uh, talk about, you know, besides, you know, Joe and, uh, T where do you see yourself stacking this game? 
Yeah, I think Hurst and Tyler Boyd are, you know, both very good options. You know, if you're stacking Burrow, I think you play two of the three between Higgins, Boyd and Hurst. Um, And I think any of those three receivers is very, very viable uh, just as to be played uh, on their own as well, like in, in a lineup, you know, with no other pieces from this game, just because Steelers run defense is actually very good, especially with Watt back. Um, and I think that they're going to kind of contain the Bengals rushing offense. So uh, there should be a lot of dropbacks, you know, 40 plus throws for Burrow. And when we have three guys that we know are going to get the lion's share of those targets, um, it, it's pretty easy to uh, to convince yourself, like just get exposure to those guys and and kind of hope it matches up right with the right lineup um, in games or in lineups that are built, not necessarily just around this game. So, uh, yeah, I think Hurst is a, is a great play. Um, you know, Fryermuth is very interesting too. Uh, he's been uh, one of the favorite targets for Pickett. And so, yeah, I think that this is a, a good game to, to look for uh, a cheap tight end that's heavily involved, um, you know, in the minefield that is the tight end position. Uh, I'd be surprised if both of those guys don't at least get eight to 10 points, which, you know, that doesn't kill you. Yeah. And it's, like I said, we're with who's on the slate this week, tight end wise, right. We're, you know, you're trying to find the guy that can get you, you know, one or two touchdowns. It's always two is the goal, but you know, if we can get you a four for 40 and a, and a TD, I think with the the lineup this week, we're going to be there. And um, so let's talk about, as we finish up this week, who is going into this week? Who is a defense that you are targeting and who do you really like on that side of the ball? Uh, yeah. So, you know, we talked about the issues that we talked about in the Broncos Raiders game. I really like the Broncos defense. Um, you know, they're, they're not like top of the price range, uh, but they're a little bit higher priced. And so they're just kind of going very overlooked for a very good defense in a second divisional matchup uh, against a really a team that's kind of reeling, that's kind of like close to like an Armageddon sort of situation with the Raiders. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting one. Uh, the other one is from a game we talked about, the Saints-Rams game. Uh, the Saints defense is going to be very, very popular at home against this Rams offense that's struggling and, and kind of all disheveled right now with injuries. Um, but the Rams defense is like right that same price tag. And, uh, you know, they're certainly not immune to mistakes and uh, they're going to be very low owned as well. Uh, and the final one, again, from a game we talked about, uh, the Colts defense is interesting to me. Just they're min price. They're all the way at the mint um, the, down at the minimum. And you got the Eagles playing on a short week without one of their key offensive pieces. Um, And I talked about how the Colts defense kind of limits the run, which is what a lot of the Eagles do what it's built around. So um, for min price, you know, I could see them having like an eight to 10 point game with, you know, any defense can pop off for a touchdown. So if you can get min price and save that salary uh, and also get it at low ownership, I think that's a, a pretty interesting way to build. Yeah, I I don't like yeah. min price at high ownership. That's I'm really trying to avoid that. But when I can get min price at low ownership, I definitely like to take advantage of that situation. And this is another game here. If you're looking at underdog, 
prize picks, drafters, any of those sites. This Bengals Steelers game is another great way to stack it in the terms of, you know, Burrow pass attempts with, you know, T targets and, you know, Hearst. I don't believe Hearst props are really set where they are. One of the things you want to avoid is getting lost in the math, right? Because we can say, hey, I really trust these projections and they're right there. And the line markets have been efficient this week, but when guys are beating them, they're beating them heavily. So I think this is another unique uh, game situation to stack up and, and take advantage of from that side of the ball. Absolutely. All righty. Well, we're going to finish up here this week. Once again, if you're listening to this on podcast, this is also on YouTube. Uh, you can throw it on your player there. You can come look at our pretty faces uh, if you can handle that for 45 minutes. And good luck this week in the DFS streets. And we'll see you guys soon. <laughs>